Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine. And you know, as we, we, we're singing about, we're talking about, um, we come to this third, uh, or this, sorry, this fourth uh, week of Advent where we've talked about peace, we've talked about hope, we've talked about joy, and now today we come to this idea of love, um, love coming down, Emmanuel, God with us through the person and work of Jesus. And when we talk about all that, the love of God, it's a wonderful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing. And speaking of God's love, the Bible says things like, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. Or in another place it says, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. It also says one you all know real well, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And so if you've grown up in around the church, in or around the church, those things sound familiar to you. They're part of what we think of when we think of love. But sometimes... Even as followers of Jesus, we forget how much we need the love that comes from God. Sometimes we, we, we get distracted and we forget how much we day to day need to know and, and appreciate and live in that love that comes from him. And that's partly because, at least partly because, we're heavily impacted by the way our society talks about and views love as well. Think about our culture for a minute. And, and when I say our culture, that we're a part of, right? I'm not just talking about them out there. We're part of this, right? And so think about that for a minute. In our culture, here's some things it says about love. We can feel love. We can give love. We can look for love. We can find love. We can make love. We can act in love. We can be in love. We can love what we're doing. We can love what we're eating. We can love what we're experiencing. We have emojis to show that we love something. And then finally, if all else fails, we can just do the little heart shape with our hands and go, oh, I love that. That's kind of how our society deals with this idea of love. And that affects us. I bring it all up not to bash, up, to bash those things, but to say it's a no wonder that the people around us And sometimes we ourselves don't understand how desperately we need the love of God as it's laid out in his word. And so today, um, we're going to look at the need that we have for God's love is at the center of Christmas. The need we have for God's love is at the center of Christmas. And we're going to see this need as we continue in this series, um, A Gift That Changes the World. Now, you remember from a few weeks ago, we were talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? Um, So if you were here, um, this was uh, three weeks ago, I guess. We talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we're coming back to them again today. Because the last two weeks, John has talked about uh, Mary, and this is just going through the flow of the passage, but Mary, the angel coming to Mary, and then um, Mary giving birth, or she hadn't given birth yet, but anyway, the angel coming to Mary, and then then Mary's response to that. Um, And so now we come back to... Zechariah and Elizabeth. And if you remember, they're a couple um, that the Bible says are stricken with years. Okay, well, it actually said Zechariah was old and Zechariah said his wife was stricken with years. But um, that's, that's what we, we see in the passage. 
They've never been able to have a child. And now God shows up in an unexpected way to tell them that they're going to have a child and they're going to name him John. And this son of theirs that they're going to name John is going to pave the way for Jesus, for the Messiah, the one they had all been looking for. But because Zechariah didn't believe the angel, Zechariah has been unable to speak for the last nine or 10 months. And now we pick up in Luke chapter one, verse 57. And this is at the birth of their child. Look to Luke one, beginning in verse 57. This is God's word. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted to be called, what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So again today, we're going to say that the need we have for God's love is at the center of Christmas. And we're going to do that, um, I, I joked with the early group this morning, the early prayer group, that um, I could probably preach for at least two hours on this passage, but I promise I'm not going to do that. We're just going to look at two points. One is that the need for God's love is seen through the obedience of his people. That's our first point of this morning. So let's pick back up with the story, verses 57 through 66. This is, in case you haven't picked up on it yet, this is a really unique story. Let me just kind of reset the stage again. Everyone um, would would be curious about what was happening with this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? So Zechariah, you remember he had gone into the temple to perform his duties, 
right? He had gone into the temple. While he's in the temple, he takes longer than he's supposed to. And then when he finally comes out, he can't speak. And the people are like, what is going on, right? So then on top of that, Elizabeth's kind of acting a bit strange. It says that she was um, hiding um, she was hidden. I think what it means is she was hiding her pregnancy. So it's kind of like, well, huh, Elizabeth's walking around and she's, she's kind of wearing some more baggy clothes these days, isn't she? Hiding her pregnancy up until five months is what, is what we're told. And then at five months, um, we, when Elizabeth couldn't hide it anymore, they see this older lady, stricken with years, who's pregnant, along with a husband now who can't speak. You know, kind of get in the picture a little bit more. The people were likely a little bit more than curious about what's going on. If this was today, I think this story might have gone viral. Now the baby's born. Zechariah and Elizabeth have a son. Their neighbors, their relatives... They're ecstatic. They're still like, we're not exactly sure what's happening here, but they're ecstatic. They're rejoicing with her and they're saying, the Lord has shown you mercy. It's like, wow, this is for real. This really happened. So everyone comes around them. Everyone's celebrating with them. And it's a joyful occasion. And then after eight days, as God had commanded the people of Israel... It was time for them to place the sign of being part of the covenant family on the child, and so they came to circumcise the child. Now, it's interesting here, it says, they came, right? The they here uh, was those doing the circumcision and the relatives and the family, okay? And so it's they come together for this, and it's they that are getting ready to name the child. And it says they would have named the child after his father. Why is that? Because that was pretty normal in the culture. Firstborn son, you name the child after, your, after the father. That's what would have been expected. So they're ready to do that. Well, now I kind of get the picture. Everybody's excited. Everybody's caught up in this whole thing. But if you remember, back a few weeks, God had told Zechariah, his name is John. God had said, you're going to name him John. And so as everyone's excited, everyone's caught up in this, on this, they're ready to name him the natural name you would expect them to name him. I kind of get this picture that Zechariah, who can't really speak, is trying to get everybody's attention. Like, hello, hello, um, but, but can't necessarily get that. The Bible doesn't say that. That's just me assuming. Okay, he's trying to get this attention. But then Elizabeth breaks in because she knows what God said. And in simple obedience, Elizabeth says, no, he shall be called John. They did not like that answer. All those around, they weren't happy with that. So it didn't make sense to them. So they're like, well, clearly she doesn't know what she's talking about. So let's talk to Zechariah, see what he says. And so they go to Zechariah and Zechariah writes it on a tablet. Verse 63, his name is is John. In simple obedience, he brings closure to the whole situation. His name is John. Now, I'll just pause for a minute to say the name John means the Lord is a gracious giver. This is a beloved one of God. All right, and so this name has a lot of meaning. 
Now, we already know that everyone had gathered around because God had done a great work in Elizabeth to bring forth a baby, right? They acknowledged that. They talked about God's mercy. But Elizabeth and Zechariah's simple obedience is telling the people, there is one who deserves our obedience, even when it's not popular, even when no one else understands, even though we might not understand ourselves. Because of God's love and mercy to us, we are going to obey him. And their obedience demonstrated God's love and had immediate impact. Let's look at that impact for just a minute. We see it in the next few verses. Verse, second half of verse 63, and they, we're back to them again, they all wondered. In verse 64, Zechariah's mouth was opened and he blessed the Lord. We'll come back to what he said in a minute. And then verses 65 through 66, fear came on all the neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So if I tile that up, Zechariah and Elizabeth's obedience turned everyone's attention to God in this situation. Everyone involved in this, their obedience turned their attention to God. Some didn't, they weren't responsible for how they responded to it, right? Some were afraid. Most didn't understand, but they did know something was up, even though they didn't like it or understand it. Elizabeth and Zechariah's obedience in this situation turns others' attentions to the love and mercy of God. The application for us in that's not difficult, is it? Not difficult to understand. It might be difficult to do, but not difficult to understand. Our obedience to God and what He says is good for us, even when we don't like what He says is good for us, even when we think there might be a better way, even when we don't understand it, our obedience to God points other people to a God who has shown love to us through the work of His Son, Jesus. It shows others that we believe we need this love and what He says is good for us in our lives. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so often we take that and we make it think, it's like, well, we gotta show God our love. We gotta make sure we keep our commandments. No, it's opposite than that. It's because of the love of God that is working in us our obedience to those commandments shows the love of God. And that leads us to our second point. Because the second way we see Zechariah and Elizabeth's lives pointing others to the need for the love of God is in Zechariah's worship. The need for God's love, second point, is seen through the worship of his people. So look back at verse 64 for a second. We read it a minute ago. Um, it shows us there that Zechariah's mouth was opened and it was eight days after the birth of his son. All right, so now we see Zechariah can finally speak, right? And what is the first thing he did? I, I think for many of us, the first thing we might do was, hey, y'all, you've been wondering what happened in the temple. Let me tell you what happened in the temple. It was kind of crazy. This went on and then this angel showed up. Like, it's not what it says he does. What's the first thing he does? It says he blesses the Lord. That's verse 64. 
And then verse 67, I think, expounds on what his blessing there was, what he was saying about the Lord there, how, what he was, how he was worshiping the Lord. Because verse 67 says he was filled with the Spirit and prophesied. And then verse 68 and following shows us what he was doing there, uh, what it was talking about in verse 64. And what all that means is that part of what the people were marveling at is not just the obedience of Zechariah and Elizabeth, but also what Zechariah said in his worship. His worship shows others the need for God's love. So let's look at it for a minute. There's two parts to his worship. The first one is that the Lord has visited and redeemed his people. He begins that in verse 68. But remember, we've been talking about this in the series. These people had had 400 years of silence, right? God had made these promises. He was going to come. Um, he was going to deliver them. He was going to save them. He promised the Messiah to come. And there's all sorts of places all over the Old Testament. He does those things. And, but they must be wondering at this point, is God actually going to do what he said he was going to do? Is God really going to do that? Zechariah, a priest, is here filled with the Holy Spirit. He sees, because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, that's why he can make this connection. He sees and realizes what is happening. And he praises God for who he is and what he's doing. What's really cool here is that he talks about it in the past tense. The Lord has visited and redeemed his people. He's talking about Jesus coming, but he talks about it in the past tense. This is a done deal. Why is it a done deal? Because God's doing it. Because God has said he would do it. He has bought back with a price. He has redeemed those that belong to him. Now, it could be easy there for a minute to confuse that, that the he that he's talking about here is John. But I want to say the Lord has visited and redeemed his people. And then in verse 69, through the house of his servant, King David, this is a clarification statement here. And it's an important point because he's saying it's not just through anyone. It's not through, it's not even through John. John didn't come through the house of, the, of David, all right, in the lineage of David. Who came through the lineage of David? Jesus. So John's job wasn't to save the people. It was to point to Jesus. All right, and we'll, we'll go through that a little bit more. The second thing, the Lord has visited and redeemed his people. Verse 70 says, as he said he would by the prophets in the Old Testament. Prophets in the Old Testament, he said he would come and do this. Third, the Lord has visited and redeemed his people. Verse 71, saving them from the hands of their enemies and all who hate them. Now, I'm going to pause on that verse for a minute. Saving them from the hand of their enemies and all who hate them. And I pause there because this verse has been used to suggest many things that God might save his people from. Let's be clear about the context, though. In, in context, Zechariah is saying he's, he's blessing God and worshiping him here because God was saving people from the hand of spiritual darkness and spiritual enemies. Not always the things they would face on earth. Everybody with me on that? 
That's important. Because if we don't understand that, we can miss what God's doing sometimes. He is about saving and redeeming his people from sin and death that we deserve and saving us from the misery that that would inflict forever. And then the Lord has visited and redeemed his people, verses 72 to 73, because he is a faithful God. Then verses 73 to 75 tell us that all of this is so that being delivered from the hand of our enemies, that is being delivered from sin and death, being delivered from this dread of the spiritual battle, being delivered to where we know we're not going to lose this spiritual battle because of what Jesus has done, we might serve him without fear because nothing that we face on this earth will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, who redeemed us. The Lord has visited and redeemed his people. That is the love of God. And it says, because of that, we'll serve him in holiness and righteousness. Through Jesus, we'll serve him in holiness and righteousness all of our days. And then that leads us to the second part of Zechariah's worship. Because it shows us, and this is the part I want to make sure we get before we leave here today. It shows us that everyone needs God's love through the redemption bought by Jesus. Everyone sitting in this room, all of our families that we'll interact with this week, all those in this world around us need God's love through the redemption bought by Jesus. Zechariah looks at this kid, this kid, okay, this little one, this blessing from God. And he says, verse 76, and you child will be called the prophet of the most high and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. And this is important because in the culture of the day, and we talk about this pretty much every Palm Sunday um, because we talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus. Um, but, but speaking of John here, when, when a royal person would come into town, Right? or an important, a very important person, the king or some, some other important person would come into town, someone would go before him. And what that person would do would be to like, um, if there's holes in the road, they're filling in the holes, um, this brush and stuff has grown up, they're moving that, they're getting people out of the way, right? Um, this, this idea of going before to prepare the way so that there are no obstacles, no impediments to um, this, this king that's coming. And the idea is to make the path as straight as possible as this king comes or this important person comes in. And so John's job, and, and this would have been understood in the cultural context, John's job then is to prepare the way for this royal one that is coming. That says a lot about who this one to come is. And we see um, th th throughout all the Old Testament, it talks about there'll be one to prepare the way. And when that one to prepare the way comes, we see it most notably in Isaiah 40, when that one comes, the Savior's coming too. The love of God is going to be made known. So what's the point of John and going before Jesus to prepare the way? It's not that Jesus couldn't handle it himself, right? That's not the point. But I think it's the core of the whole thing going on in this passage. 
The point was to tell people who did not think they needed salvation from their sins that after 400 years of silence, what they needed most, more than anything else, far and away more than anything else, was salvation from their sins. So what we see in verses 77 and 79. 77, to give knowledge. You're to prepare the ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. See, here's the thing that's going on. In their waiting... They had developed this distinct idea that they had it all together. That they had figured it out. That the Messiah would come and fit the idea that they had created for him to fit. He would do what they wanted him to do. He would overthrow their oppressors. He would get rid of the bad government. He'd get rid of their bad circumstances. He'd restore things to the way they thought things should be. He would restore their fortunes. He would make things on earth right again for them. And John's message was to say, you don't gain your salvation through those things. You have it all wrong. You gain your salvation through the forgiveness of sins. You are the people in darkness. You are the people in the shadow of death. And you need to recognize You need to recognize that this is you so that you'll be prepared to receive the message of the Messiah, of the Christ, because Jesus is coming. This is what we need most as Christians as well. As followers of Jesus here today, you know, sometimes it can be easy for us to forget that we need the love of Christ through the forgiveness of sins as much today as we did the day we were saved. We have it, but we can't forget that we have it. We can't forget that that is the thing that we need more than anything else in this world. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I want you to just think about all those other things you're looking to to satisfy your life. How many of those have satisfied you completely? How many of those things have fulfilled you? Have you ever come to a moment in your life where you thought, hmm, that didn't do what I thought it would do? Well, let me me tell you a secret. We as Christians do that too. Because we have been called the sons and daughters of God, and yet we run to other things over and over and over again. And so what we have to do with that is confess that to the Lord and to say to him, Lord, I'm pursuing these other things because I think they can satisfy me more than you can. Or I need these other things to be satisfied and you're not enough. 
But the need for the love of God is the reason for Christmas. The need for the love of God is the deepest thing that we all have. And as we begin to understand that, as we begin to see that we have forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ, then it changes the way we come to him. And I want to give you a little example of this, a little illustration that kind of shows what changes for us. And this is an illustration that comes through playing hide and seek. But not just hide and seek, hide and seek with a toddler. Okay. Most of you have done this. I've used this illustration before a long time ago, but um, it's still just as important. All right, when, I was a, when my kids were little, you know, they, they go hide, right? You tell them to go hide, it's my turn to find them. All right? They go hide and they hide in the closet. They're kind of behind the clothes. Well, what happens in the closet? It's kind of dark in there, right? And they're sitting in there. They're anticipating being found. But, but as, as they sit there, they're, they're in this darkness, all right? We say, ready or not, here I come. And what usually happens with a toddler at that point? They bust out of the closet into the light and say, I found you. (laughs) Why can they do that? Because they know the love of a father. They know the love of a parent. They trust that love. They know that that's what they need. How much more can we as followers of Jesus, burst out and say, God, I found you. He really found us. But we can come, we can run to him without fear, without worry, without dread. Our need for the love of God is the message of Christmas. This week, I just want to encourage you with your families. You, you can't change what anyone in your family thinks. Don't try. Through your obedience to God, show them the love of God. Through your worship and your words and the things you share, tell them the love of God. But then pray and ask God to show them and to work that love in their hearts. Trust Him. I'm going to give you a moment to pray. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd ask you to just think about these things during this time of silence that we pray. And if you want to talk about it more after the service, I'd love to speak with you. If you are, I want you to pray um, for the family member or the friends or somebody that you're going to be in contact this week. And that God will help you because you are finding your satisfaction in him and the love he has for you. That he will help you to love them as well. I'm just going to give you a few minutes of silent prayer, um, and then I'll bring us back together.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. Lord, thank you that as you knew that's what we needed most, more than we need the love of a spouse or a family member, more than we need satisfaction in our jobs and our lives. Lord, we need you. Thank you, Lord, that in Christ the love of God was made manifest among us. Lord, that through him we have the forgiveness of sins. We have the declaration. Lord, that for those that come and find that forgiveness in you, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, Lord, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.